This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you in part by Rosedale Communications, offering author-centric literary consulting, writing, and editing services to help you capture your voice, craft your message, edit your content, and publish your completed manuscript for business or ministry online at craftingyourmessage.com. Hey there, it's producer Michael Miracle here. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. We are your on-air resource as a workplace believer. And check out our website for tons more I Work For Him resources. We've got blogs and podcasts and reading material and all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, a link to listen to the live show several times a day. Yep, head to the website. That's IWorkForHim.com. IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And the listen tab's up there on the top left. Click that, then click the live link, and you can listen to us live every weekday. That's IWorkForHim.com. I work the number four him.com. And now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for, hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our nine to five. This is the I Work For Him podcast. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as we broadcast you from Bend, Oregon. But before we get to why we're in Bend, Oregon, Martha, tell people how they can connect with us online. Well, online, the best way, Jim, is to go to our website, which is iwork4him.com, and there they can find connections to all of our social media links. They can link into us at, on LinkedIn, and as well as find our um, listener line phone number. So if they ever want to call and leave us a message, they can go to the contact page. They can either send us an email or call the 800 number that we have listed there and leave us a voicemail. 866-713-9675. 866-713-WORK. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Today, we are on location in Bend, Oregon at the international headquarters of the World Changer Network. Find them online at worldchangernetwork.com. Worldchangernetwork.com. Please go out and check them out. This show is brought to you through a kingdom collaboration between the World Changer Network and the iWork for radio program we call this collaboration the i work for him world changer radio network james and anna kramer the founders of world changer network feel led by god to introduce the world to the only one capable of bringing real change jesus christ james and anna have arranged for us to interview some amazing people who are gathered here in bend oregon for the hub nation summit 2018 Today, we're interviewing Mike Sipe. He's with C12 Group. You've heard about C12 a few times, and I work for him. But he, we have never been to Oregon and highlighted C12. The group is C12Cascades.com. C12Cascades.com. In case you're listening in Oregon and you'd like to get involved, this is the guy you need to talk to. Mike Sipe, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks, Jim. Excited to have you here. Excited to hear your story and really excited to hear um, how the Lord has been using you here in Bend, Oregon. I want to ask you a question before we get rolling with a lot of really complicated, hard questions. <laughs> how did you first come to be a follower of Jesus? Well, there's a difference between being a believer and being a follower. So I've been a believer since I could walk, I think. So I was raised in a, a Christian home. And so I've been a believer as long as I can recall. But the... Uh, the issue of being a follower actually began to develop probably back in, uh, oh, the late 1990s. My pastor was uh, was a pastor named Chip Ingram. And so Chip, a few people have heard that name. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so Chip was a pastor at Santa Cruz Bible Church. And that was my first real experience with a... Um, with a a pastor with a heart for the marketplace and a, a pastor that uh, I could really resonate with in a uh, in a way that began to introduce me to the idea that 
believing was not the same as following. So mm. I'd say in the middle 1990s, and then that's evolved since then. Now, your business background is heavy into mergers and acquisitions, but right. not with the big monster companies, kind of those middle market companies. And, and as I was reading your bio, I was really intrigued by your, your idea that, or by your thoughts that it, it, you're intrigued by the fact that there's not a lot of support for mergers and acquisitions in the middle. There's, there's the little companies getting eaten up and the big companies getting eaten up. <laughs> like last week, Monster, Time Warner, uh, was it AT&T, Time Warner? Time Warner I mean, a huge $83 billion deal. Did you ever get to do any deals like that? I didn't do that deal. No, <laughs> no otherwise we would not be here today. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Otherwise you'd be the number one sponsor of us being here I would here be today? the sponsor. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's what I thought. Okay, that's what I thought. Talk to us about your how the Lord has used you in the marketplace. Well, my background, yeah, background. I, I guess you're talking about sure. the mergers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. So, so decades ago, probably 30, 40 years ago, I was uh, running my own companies and I was having trouble finding uh, a way to buy and sell for my own account. Mm. And so what I discovered at that point was that there was a market for just about anything that you'd want to buy there. There's a market for real estate, um, both commercial and residential. There's a market for toothpaste. There's a market for socks. There's a market for toaster ovens. You, you can find an active market for just about everything. And certainly now over the years, as the internet has evolved, there's a market for just about anything anyone could imagine, mm-hmm. except for small companies. And part of the challenge of that is that um, the the sale has to be confidential. So it's the only thing I've ever tried to sell in my life where you can't tell anybody what it is. Um, because if you put a sign out in front of a business and say, this business is for sale, manufacturing company for sale right here, you come in the next morning and you don't have any employees, you don't have any customers, you don't have any business. Right. So the confidentiality aspect of it is um, is really a challenge. And that's part of the reason that there's not really a well-developed market for um, small companies in America, even today, 30 years later, since I've I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about in Bend, Oregon, you've gotten heavily involved in the Rotary Group. You've got heavily involved in the Chamber of Commerce here in Bend. How has God used that community involvement? How, Mike Sipe, how, how has he, I mean, that's some pretty heavy influence. How has, how has God using that influence here in this community for him? Well, first of all, I think one of the issues that is um, that faces the, the church as a whole, the big C church that's relevant to this is that um, over the years as I've, I, most of my business and most of my life is spent in the marketplace with, uh, with non-believers mm-hmm. or pre-believers in a secular environment. And so I asked this question a lot of, uh, about the, uh, about the church. And I mean, the, you know, the, the church as a whole, the big C church. Right. And I say, so, you know, what do you think about the, the church and, and, and its involvement in the community and, and the answers that I get consistently from believers, non-believers, pastors, it doesn't really matter. The answers are basically the same. Number one, the church is um, invisible. Uh, number two, the church is impotent. And number three, it's irrelevant. Now, understand, I'm not saying that the church is right. invisible, irrelevant, or impotent. That's what the answer that I get to my question. And, and that's from people from all walks of life. And part of the reason is, is that believers are not involved. And when they're involved, it's not clear that they're believers first and mm. they're involved. And so one of the reasons that I'm involved in selective things like the Chamber of Commerce Board and, and my Rotary Club, where I'm just getting ready to take on the presidency uh, on July 1st for my club, is because I don't think we can um, just sit in our, uh, in our pews and, 
expect that things are going to get better. We actually need to get out and be involved. So that's what prompted it. Hmm. I love that. Invisible, irrelevant. What was the third I? Impotent. Impotent. And when you look at what we've talked about here on I Work For Him for the last five years, it's the fact that the church, we lost the culture battle because of those three I's. But it, we can take back the culture because Jesus, I mean, Christ followers transformed Rome. You know, the United States isn't any worse than Rome was. We can absolutely transform this country if we would just live out our faith wherever we go. Sure. So talk to me about you've been involved in this event, the Hub Nation Summit, years past, heavily, heavily involved. You're very good friends with James and Anna Kramer. They speak very, very highly of you. And James and Anna are from the World Changer Network. How, why? Why your involvement in this group? What is it you see about Hub Nation that excites you? I think the there are several things. Number one, it's very unique. So this uh, this uh, drawing together of of thought leaders toward an end, not just a conversation. Mm-hmm. So you've you've been to conferences. We've all been to conferences. We've all been to places where people just talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Talking heads. You bet. That's right. And, and, and I suppose there's some value in that. And there's some educational value, some informational value. There might be some connection value. But one of the things that I believe is, is a, a, a problem for us in the country is, is that people are just conferenced out and, and tired of just going to another conference and sitting there for a week and listening to stuff. Mm-hmm. And, Interestingly enough, there are more and more and more and more conferences, even while we're getting more and more and more jaded. So one of the things that I like about Hub Nation is that its intent from the beginning was to be action oriented, to not just talk, but to actually take the thinking that's produced out of our getting together and turn it into meaningful action. Mm, I love that. And really, the meaningful action is, is culture transforming. It is. So one of the things that I know we have heard about the upcoming Hub Nation, which is getting ready to start, is the fact that um, the attendees sit at round tables, that this is like, you know, roll up the sleeves, let's have discussion, let's let's come up with some solutions and how to in, impart them. Is that what you're talking about? Right. And this is uh, has, has been developing over the last two years and now this third one. And I think what you'll see this year is uh, a much more pointed focus toward that where mm-hmm. The, um, the conference, I don't want to be a spoiler for the conference, oh, don't spoil but, uh, it. <laughs> but, Just uh, a teaser. but it's going to drive toward an actionable conclusion. And I, I believe it's going to be a real dramatic experience for people. Today, we're talking with Mike Sipe. He's the, the founding chair. What do they call you? The super chair right here at C12 Cascades, right? <laughs> super chair. Oh, boy. The super chair. That's right. He's been appointed by God to be the C12 chair here in, in the Bend, Oregon. You've got three groups. How many people you got in those groups? Um, we're at uh, two dozen right now. Okay, so we're running about eight to ten per group. But you've got room for more. You do. Absolutely. So people want to get a hold of you. How do they get a hold of you, Mike Sipe? Well, they can call 541 390 8610 okay. or they could go online to c12cascades.com all right c12cascades.com okay here comes the heavy questions now and we're going to ask all of our guests here at the hub nation uh summit all of we're all going to get the same questions because we really feel like god is developing something incredible here as you uh, have said at the end of the last segment what is the most important message that the body of christ needs to hear from you mike site right now 
We're on radio, Mike. Not, not TV. <laughs> that, that would, there was that no would, music. That was, do, that was do, supposed do, to be do, an answer, right? That was supposed to come out of that, right? Well, here, here's what I believe. The, I, I was working on a project a few years ago, and I called on a gentleman who's become a great friend of mine and asked if he would participate. This was a, a, a faith-based project, and he's uh, not especially a man of faith, and I asked him to um, get particip- to participate because he's very active in the community. And he re- he declined. He said, "No, I'm not going to do it. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not going to participate." I said, "This doesn't make any sense. It's uh, it tracks with everything that you profess to believe and you're involved with." And you know, I'm really confused. And he said, "Well, don't be confused." I, I said, "Well, I don't, I don't understand." He <laughs> says, "Well, here's the deal. You know, um, you guys. I know. I understand you guys. Uh, you Christians. I mean, you sit in your church and you pray, and then we get all the work done." And I said, well, there's some truth to that. And so I believe that uh, a couple of the things that are really critical for the body of Christ is, is that we've, we've got to get out of the church and into the church mm-hmm. and that we've got to get out into the community and, and go to work. Um, the, the great commission applies to all of us. And uh, it wasn't a great invitation to sit in a pew. It was an invitation to go out into all the world. And so I believe that that's a really critical thing that we, um, we must do as a church. We must do that together as well. So, um, so it's unity, but unity toward a purpose, which boiled down simplicity is a great commission. Mm, That's powerful. So what is the most important thing that you're being called to do right now? To draw Christian business leaders together, to, to build a platform of influence in our community so that we can, um, can transform the cultural environment so that we can transform the economic environment so that we can transform the spiritual environment of central Oregon. So draw us a picture what that looks like, because in Bend, Oregon, it's, you said a city of 80 to a hundred thousand people, right? right? And it's three hours from any other major area. Right. So, which I think is just fantastic. How cool is that? You can actually, <laughs> you have to drive a long way. So you see more people. I think that's great. What you have to live in Florida to understand that comment. So talk to me about what is that? Draw me a picture. Of what does it mean to get Christian, draw Christian business people into and working together? Well, the, um, the biggest resource that we have as business people is not money. The biggest resource that we have is not our companies. It's not our businesses. The biggest resource we have is influence. And that's also the thing that we don't want to use. So we don't want to risk our influence. We don't want to risk our social capital. It, we might not mind um, writing a check. We might not might not mind, you know, saying, "Yeah, we uh, we really care about the homeless." Um, but when it really comes to the issue of faith and exercising our influence, that's where we start getting scared, and we start getting scared because we're afraid we're going to lose business. We're afraid we're going to lose money. Hmm. We're afraid we're going to lose. Customers, we're going to lose employees because they're going to think we're weird, and then we're going to go broke, and the sky is going to fall, and it's just going to be a terrible mess. And so I give up; I'm not going to do it. And so we don't use the most important um, uh, factor, uh, the most important resource that we have, which is influence. And so by building a platform of business leaders in Central Oregon, we have an opportunity to amass this uh, this this pool of influence that we can use in a transformative way in the community. You wrote in your article in the world changer magazine, as leaders, we need to get clear on the fact that we've been given power, authority and influence. And we have amassed social capital here on earth for one 
primary reason to glorify God and advance his kingdom. How are you seeing that play out, Mike Sype, from C12Cascades.com? Well, one of the coolest things is that um, Central Oregon has never really had a community prayer breakfast. So, um, and frankly, I had never personally even seen a prayer breakfast until three years ago. And so we, we got together as a group and we said, how can we actually use our influence and exercise that in the community to, to benefit the community and, and uh, draw the churches together and advance the kingdom. And so we decided that we would launch a prayer breakfast. This was three years ago. And so we, uh, we did it without any money and we did it without any advertising or anything. We just all called a few people and said, Hey, why don't you come to a prayer breakfast? Hmm. And a few hundred people showed up and we were astounded and it, it was, it went great. Uh, most of the people that were there came with arms crossed and like, mm, you know, what is this going to be like? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because the church has kind of walked away from prayer nights, prayer events. You're talking a prayer breakfast with a bunch of business people. What did that look like? Well, it uh, we had about a half a dozen pastors. Uh, there's about 400 pastors in our region. We had about a half a dozen that, that came. Uh, a couple of them came with smiles and, 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 the, and the others came, which was good. Um, but we had, uh, we had the high school principal at uh, one of the high schools here that, that spoke and she actually delivered a prophetic message that blew the room away. Holy spirit was all over this. It was an amazing time. And uh, we had no idea what we were doing at all, but, but God did. And, and it worked out great. So we decided we'd do it again and uh, a bunch more people came. So we didn't have any more room. And so, um, so we still didn't know what we were doing and we didn't know that people would really come. And so this year we did it again, but we moved it to the, the, um, the, the focus of our community, our convention center where everything happens. Uh, all the secular events happen. It's the, it's the river house convention center. And so we, um, we decided, okay, well, we'll just, uh, we ran out of space where we were doing it before. So we'll just, uh, we'll get some space for about 500 people and see what happens, except it was spring break. And so everybody leaves bend in spring break, particularly all the people of you know, that have some money and influence and run businesses and all that. So, so all of our, um, all of our troops went away. <laughs> and so this was a really interesting thing to, to pray about and say, okay, Lord, well, it's, it's, it's your prayer breakfast. And so let's see what happens. So anyway, standing room only over 500 people showed Come up. On. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, and all it your was regulars amazing. were missing. All the regulars were missing. Wow. So, so now we're going to do it next year. So next year it's going to be a thousand. So we rented a, we rented a room for a thousand You're going to call people. the school principal and say, what week is spring break? <laughs> yeah. So we, so we're not doing it on spring break. Very we're going to do good. it on the national day of prayer. Um, and, uh, only because there wasn't room in the end. So we, we would still do it on Good Friday, except that they're booked up with another conference. So the only place in Bend that we can do an event this large is at the conference center. So we're going to do it on the National Day of Prayer, which seems to work mm-hmm. pretty well, too. You're pray on National Day of Prayer. <clears throat> what a concept. That's awesome. right. It's going to be amazing. I think God might like that. <laughs> uh, I, think he I, I just want what was it? What did the event look like? You said you had a speaker who delivered a prophetic message. I love that. But I mean... What's a, I mean, people think prayer breakfast is like, so we're going to eat and then just pray for an hour? I mean, what, talk about what it looked like so people can get an idea of how cool an event it really was. Well, no one really knew what it looked like because nobody had really been to a prayer breakfast before in, in our community. And, and in many cases, people had never been to. They didn't have any idea. So that's the good news, right? Um, subsequently I've been to a couple of prayer breakfasts and they're pretty boring. Actually, it's like, you're going to breakfast. We're going to sit around a table. Somebody's going to pray at us. And so we didn't do that. So basically, um, we had, um, we had this message from, um, the summit high school principal that, um, really spoke a powerful, um, 
uh, declaration over our whole community and the, and the future of it. But then um, basically we actually prayed. What, what a concept. Again, we, mm-hmm. we had round tables and where people were at breakfast. And so um, we didn't know what we were doing. So we said, all right, so here's some issues in the community that are, uh, are important. Um, we put them on each one of your tables, different issues. You guys pray about it. And so for a while, the place was in an absolute uproar and people that, that like to pray, prayed like crazy people that didn't freaked out and, uh, and it all worked just great. And so we decided maybe the idea behind a prayer breakfast would be to actually pray. You know, there's something great you said a couple of times, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing, but isn't that great? Because you, you went at it in a fresh way and you've seen amazing things happen as a result from that. So people afterwards, what kind of a response did they, what, what kind of feedback did you get from them? Oh, it was, except for some of the pastors who weren't exactly that thrilled. Um, they weren't thrilled by which part? Well, it's a little unusual, you know, to have this like prayer going on. Uh, People that weren't, they didn't have leaders. You know, how could they pray? And so, um, not all the pastors, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple, Mm -hmm. but, um, but, and I love the pastors. I mean, our, our job is to support the local church and this, so this is not like a slam. It's just, you know, it's an observation. Out of the box. Yeah, it's just observation. (laughs) So the, um, so all the regular peeps, they loved it. You know, everybody thought it was, was great. Mm -hmm. Um, but we still didn't know that they would come back. And, and so this year though, what was great, we, we went, we had about 10 pastors the next year. We're talking with Mike Sype today from C12 Cascades. If you're a small business owner or leader and you are not involved in a C12 group anywhere in the country, you need to check it out online. C12group.com, C12group.com. If you want to get discipled and know how to build a kingdom company or a kingdom organization, that is the place to go to. Mike Sype is in charge right here in Bend, Oregon, C12Cascades.com, C12Cascades.com. Mike, why C12? You had lots of, lots of different choices. There are all kinds of Christian roundtable discussion groups. Why C12? Sure. So I had been involved in a secular uh, roundtable group for many years. You were in Vistage in Tech, Vistage, right? right? Yeah, Vistage Tech. I was a, a tech speaker, tech consultant. Uh, um, great experience with Vistage. Um, still refer uh, non-believers to to Vistage all the time because mm-hmm. it's a, a great organization. Um, so it's a secular organization. Right. No, makes no claims to be any different than that. Um, and I loved. It. I still have friends. Um, I still do deals with people coming out of Vistage, um, and uh, and love my experience in Vistage. But it rang hollow in uh, a couple of ways. One way is that in a roundtable like uh, environment, you, you bring issues that are important. But the thing that's, uh, that we know as believers is that, that all issues ultimately are spiritual issues, all, all human issues, all people issues, all business issues, all issues are spiritual issues. So when you don't share a common spiritual background or a common spiritual framework, the discussion can't go to a place of, uh, of deep meaning because you just have great, great guys and gals that come with their perspective mm-hmm. and, and they're just have their opinions. They're like, well, you know, I think it's like this. And I heard the Dalai Lama say this and blah, 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 which is all good. Um, except that it's not grounded anywhere. And so I always thought, man, if there was ever a, uh, an opportunity to, um, to do one of these things with business men and women that was biblically based, that'd be awesome. Well, C12 was actually going at that time, but I didn't know about mm-hmm. it. And so it was in 2010 that I saw an, an article for, um, for C12 in, or an ad in Fortune or Forbes magazine. And I thought, wow, Vistage with a soul. This is awesome. <laughs> and 
And I really believe that's where Buck Jacobs came up. I mean, he was had exposure to tech, and then is what it was called. And and he's like, yeah, but I, I, we need the, the biblical stuff is missing. All right, so uh, we got another big question to ask you, but I first want to ask you this. Okay, you've been a busy M and A guys, mergers and acquisition guys. They're busy. They're working. You know, right before a deal pulls off. You know, the research of a deal, the the um, uh, all of the due diligence. I mean, you work some serious hours. How did you protect your marriage and your family? While, and grow in your faith while you were in that crazy, while well, you're still in the crazy mergers and acquisition world. I mean, how did you, how did you manage all that? how did you protect that? Well, I didn't. <laughs> I did a terrible job. So the, so it wasn't really until I ran into Buck Jacobs, actually, that, uh, that the concept that your faith and work should be integrated was, was anything I'd ever really heard. Well, maybe, maybe it was said, but I didn't hear it. Sure. Right? So that, that could be the case, but. Um, but you know, for my career in Silicon Valley, uh, it was Monday through Saturday and Sunday afternoon working, um, taking care of clients, doing deals, running multiple deals at the same time, and then go to church on Sunday morning. And then maybe occasionally a Bible study or a small group on Wednesday night or whatever. But the, the issue of integration of faith and work was not anything that I was familiar with. And I've worked on over, well, I, I lost count a few years ago, but over 5,000 companies. And out of those, um, I, until I got exposed to C12, I only met one owner that, w- that had a, a, an integration of their faith and work and ran their company that way. It blew me away. I'd never seen anything like mm-hmm. it before. And yet you were dealing, you had dealt with other Christians, I imagine, that owned businesses sure. in that world. Sure. But it's something that many of us hadn't heard. We haven't heard the sermons of it. I mean, I know that you hear them here at Eagle Mountain. You hear sermons like that, but you had never heard that before. Well, if I did, I was probably dozing or died. (laughs) Well, I wasn't on my phone then because that was before you could do that. But (laughs) but I was doing something else if if I heard it. But um, no, it it just never resonated. Um, A Light Shines Bright in Babylon, Buck Jacob's book, is, uh, is a real powerful, succinct message about that. And, uh, and that book and my conversations with Buck were really transformative about this. So going back to the marriage and family conversation, how are you, how do you deal with marriage and family differently today than you did when you were doing mergers and acquisitions in Silicon Valley working seven days a week? Well, I don't work seven days a week anymore. And, um, and my wife was killed a few years ago. So mm-hmm. I actually, um, um, remarried two years ago and, and I have an incredible partner. Um, Kathy is an, an enormous prayer warrior, supporter, partner, totally on board with the mission. She has her own business that she runs as a mission. I mean, she's better at it than I am and more spiritual than I am. So she basically is uh, an extraordinary partner for me. And uh, and so we're it's all integrated together. It's Fabulous. faith, wow. work, marriage, you know kids and all that stuff. So it's just all, it's all one big stew. It's awesome. <laughs> Which <laughs> is it. the way it's supposed to be. And you know, that's one that I love the word stew because people get that. It's like, okay, stew is a whole bunch of different ingredients all mixed together. And that's really what our life is supposed to be. Not, you know, an old TV dinner where you have everything in its own little compartment and you eat one thing at a time. Boy, that's not really a very good appealing analogy. No, but I just, guess that's the point, right? Just, that's not very appealing. Yeah, I was just reading second Kings today where Elisha was out with a bunch of prophets and one of the young prophets had gone out into the field to grab a bunch of gourds and spices and he made a stew out of mm. it. And it was one of them was poisonous. 
And one of the one of the whatever he cut up and ingredients, yeah. and he goes, and they took a bite of it and said, "Hey, there's poison in this." And Elisha goes, "Just just throw some flour in there." And they did, and it was fine. But but just to say, you talk about stew, just there's scripture on stew, throwing <laughs> stew in. I think we could have a whole lesson. Yeah, in that it'd be more like yeah, let's do a show. Succotash. All right, all right. So Mike, here's here's a question: When you hear about the World Changer Network, and you've been exposed to James and Anna now many years, what excites you most about that platform? Oh, the opportunity for believers to be connected. So if we're not connected, we're, we are in that impotent zone. And I believe Satan wants us to be that way. He wants us to be separated, disconnected, and off doing our own thing and fragmented. Mm-hmm. So I see World Changer Network as a, an incredible opportunity for believers to connect and, uh, and then to unify around common purposes. Hmm. So how do you see World Changer Network advancing what you personally feel called to do in the kingdom? I see World Changer Network for me as a marketing platform and a marketing communications platform to spread the the word both locally and regionally. So our mission here to um, to transform the economic, cultural, and spiritual climate of Central Oregon and beyond means that message needs to go beyond because Ben's the center of the universe. You'll discover um, this, this, everything, this is the nexus point. Everything happens from here. Interesting. And I thought God was at the center of the universe. That's what well, God's together. here. No, he's here. I am, His home is here. He is, I love that. He loves Ben. I believe and he I'm loves many other places around the world too, I Mike, but gathering. it's good you're enthusiastic yeah, about your hometown. Right. You know, yes, yeah, the second child is fine. You know, it's just the first child they loves. Yeah. I believe the first child was somewhere away from here, but that's great. I'm, I'm glad you think that. Martha, what were you going to say? Just, Rescue me, you know, please. I think that people that in Bend, you definitely have very strong ownership, um, you know, genes. And I think that's exciting. And it's really what everyone, you know, I think God calls us to be better stewards of the cities that he has put us in. And what I'm gathering is just that um, people in Bend are really taking that seriously and saying, this is, this is the city God's given us. What are we doing with it? And how is we allowing God to transform it by using us? Yeah, so, it's it's cool. Did I, I, I save it enough? You there? save it enough. Okay. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Although you know, Bend it's, is it's pretty. Cool. Awesome. I'm a little weak on theology, but strong on enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, right. so well, there let's you go. talk about that theology works. for a minute. You go to you go to church at Eagle Mountain. How on a weekly basis, as it's Bobby Hobby, is is, is he the main preacher? The only preacher. There are lots of different preachers. Um, he, he's the main one. There okay. are a couple other guys that okay. that speak as well. But how? And we haven't gotten to meet him yet, but we're going to. How do you, when you walk away from the service on, at the end of the day on Sunday, how are you equipped to take your job, your work in the marketplace? I mean, what's different about going to church here than where you've been in the past? One of the things that's interesting about um, Eagle Mountain and, and Bobby is how, um, how in tune he is with, uh, well, first of all, with the prophetic but how he in tune he is with the word and in his preparation. So it's, it's very common for me to come in and, and the worship at Eagle mountain is extraordinary. You'll experience it mm-hmm. just a, a tremendous group of musicians and, and anointed. It's a, it's an inspired worship time. And, and I don't sing, which is actually, uh, you know, helps with the anointing. Um, <laughs> so the, yeah. so sometimes I'll stand there and mouth the words, but sometimes I'll just sit down and, and it's, it's really interesting how frequently um, God will draw me to a scripture during the time of worship 
and I'll be reading that scripture and pondering it as the worship's going on. And Bobby will come to the um, podium and he'll say, so turn to second Kings. And I'm like, I'm there. Wow. <laughs> and so there's a, an, an extraordinary um, uh, sense of him being in tune with, uh, with um, I guess my failings and what I need to hear. Um, and, and that happens regularly. So he's a, he's a, a, a very prophetic pastor. What do, what do you mean when you say prophetic pastor? What do you mean? Actually, I want to ask that question, but I'm going to have to wait till we get back from the break to hear the answer to that question. So you think about it. you got a little bit of time. We've got our guest today, Mike Sipe from C12Cascades.com, heavily involved in what's going on here in Bend, Oregon. He's involved in the Rotary. He's involved in the Chamber. And of course, he's involved in C12, but he's also involved in Eagle Mountain. He's involved in the World Changer Network. He's really good friends with James and Anna Kramer, who brought us here from Florida. Mike Sipe, right before the break, I asked you that question. You said your your pastor's really, uh, really well-equipped in the prophetic, or he's, he's, he's mm-hmm. yeah. What does that mean? Well, there are probably people that are are more theologically adept at explaining all this at, at length. So that's I'll why just, I'm asking you that's instead why, of that's those people. <laughs> right. so, so let me give it to you the, the simple way. One of the things about prophecy is is the ability to declare the future. And and I say that more than than foretell the future, but to declare the future. And so um, so Bobby's a uh, he's a declarative leader. He speaks the future into existence. And, and we've seen that happen and we continue to see it happen. Hub Nation is part of that. And so uh, I mean that by prophecy. I also mean that he has the ability to, to hear God. He does hear God and he has the ability to translate that to us and explain what God is saying to him and to have that resonate with us. He also has the ability to be able to look into, into my heart and my life and to, um, and to speak it out in ways that are are um, quite dramatic. Uh, my first time at, at Eagle Mountain, he, uh, I didn't even know him. He stood me up and he said, so let me tell you about your, let me tell you about your life and your ministry and your, and your future here in, in central Oregon. And uh, it, it was one of the most extraordinary experiences. Uh, he just read my mail. It was amazing. And the, to have that spoken over you and to, and, and you know, I mean, Hearing the voice of God, that's one of those things. Does he teach you guys how to learn to listen for the voice of God in your own lives? Yes, that's a big part of the Hub Nation experience. A big part of the Eagle Mountain experience is um, is to um, to get things lined up right. So, you know, you've got body, soul, and spirit. And so one of our regular prayers, in fact, a prayer that Kathy and I, my wife and I pray morning and night is um, for our spirit to come into leadership. And to be in priority over our, our soul and over our body and, and to have our spirit closely connected with the Holy Spirit to hear moment by moment by moment and be directed accordingly. And it's a very big part of the teaching here at Eagle Mountain. Well, and if Christ followers around the globe would be, follow, would be being led by Holy Spirit each and every day, I mean, the world would be a different place. So, Jim, I just want to point out something that you just said that I think is really impactful in the sense that we like we talk about things um, revolving around marriage a lot. We deal with a lot of entrepreneurs. We um, do marriage mentoring. And you not only said that you pray with your wife twice a day, at least, I mean, and I'm assuming that's an at least, but you, that's what statement you just made. Um, that is huge because that's something that we encourage, but a lot of Christ followers are for one reason or another um, are not doing that. But then to pray something so powerful as a couple, I just want to point that out because I think that, um, you know, we it, we are going to just stay the same unless we ask the Lord to do something different. 
And so that's what I just want to encourage you. And, and um, I think, I hope that that's an encouragement for our listeners as well to take that to heart. All right, Mike, last of the big, big questions mm-hmm. of the day. If you were one of God's generals, and you really are, and you had a large unified force of believers who are ready to move at your word, what would you do with them? First of all, I wouldn't speak my word. Um, okay, what do you mean? So the this this is a huge question, mm-hmm. and uh, and I pondered it because you said it in advance, and I pondered it. I actually talked about it with one of my C12 members in a, in a one-on-one meeting today. Hmm. Um, and so the, the first thing about that, it, it instills a real feeling of reverence, uh, a huge responsibility, huge obligation, as well as an opportunity. So, so the role of a general could be one of, of pillaging, uh, or it could be one of, uh, of massive service. Um, and, it, and I know many generals, my, I have a military background. I knew many generals who were very arrogant and, and, uh, and it was, you know, their way or the highway and the, and, and others that were not, but, um, but the, the issue of power and authority and influence that you talked about a little bit earlier and, and this issue of social capital and, and being a, a general in God's army and having a, a large group of people who were willing to speak, willing to move on, on your word, that's a very um, humbling place to be. A very, it, it should inspire great reverence. And so um, my answer to that question is that the first thing that we would do is pray. So I would, I would lead them in prayer and I would invite them in prayer um, because if, if, that has, if that occurs and God allows that for me or allows it for you or any of our listeners then um, that means he has something in mind, not something that I have in mind. It's something he has in mind. Mm. And so we definitely need to get lined up with what it is that God has in mind for this assembly and, and come to that in a place of unity. And then we need to go to do it because if, if God has brought us together for this purpose and we're clear on that purpose and we don't act, that's the whole hearing versus doing and and hearing but not doing is sin. You mentioned you have 24 plus members of your C12 groups. They're a small part of your army. You've got influence over tons of former business clients. How do you use that influence for the kingdom today? I mean, you've you've already got a small army. What are you doing with them? The the opportunity with business leaders is to disciple them to be disciplers of others. So, you know, the, the idea about having a big army is interesting, but the most important thing is what we do on a one-on-one basis. So how do we work with individual leaders? See, it, it takes leaders to lead leaders. Mm. Leaders follow leaders. And so the opportunity that we have in C12, the opportunity here at Hub Nation, the opportunity that you have with the leaders that you interview is, is we have the opportunity to influence influencers. And, and that has to be taken with, uh, with great reverence as well. So I'm frankly a whole lot more interested in working one-on-one to grow the ability of, of my friends, colleagues, brothers, and sisters who lead businesses into their own spheres of influence, because that's a massive leverage that, uh, that we have, because um, frankly, they have way more leverage collectively than I do. So the opportunity that I have is, uh, is one to be able to help them. Mm. 
I love that. And I, and I sense the humility in the answer. And I know it was one of those questions you're like, wow, really? But I, you know, I'm not sure I want to answer that question because there's so much responsibility in what we've been given. Uh, but I love the fact that you're, you're, you're sensitive to it and it's not, you know, giving you a big head. It's like, okay, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's what I'm hearing you say. And to use the social capital that you've amassed for God's glory. I mean, I hear that. I see that. I think that's, that's fantastic. And in a town like Ben, you've got the ability to actually influence and see the influence make an impact in the community. Absolutely. This is a, one of the beauties about this town community region is you can get your arms around it. I mean, you can actually, mm-hmm. you can, you can know the people who, um, who are in charge, who have influence and, uh, and you can build relationships there and, and actually get things done. Last fun question for the day. You've been in the marketplace for a lot of years and you've been following Jesus for a lot of years. Maybe you weren't looking for this, but maybe you were. What's the most, what is the most miraculous work you've seen God do? What have you witnessed in the marketplace? What, what's the coolest thing you've seen God do in the marketplace? Well, there's, there's two things because of two careers. One is um, I have been impressed for years and years and years in doing transactions that um, God is in the middle of every transaction. So there's all kinds of scientific things that you can talk about in regard to um, how you put deals together and all of the strategies and everything else. But uh, I've just watched God work every single time in bringing, bringing buyers to the table, bringing sellers to the Mm -hmm. table in ways that that I could only explain that this is God at work. Mm -hmm. And so all of the transactions, I mean, every single transaction, I honestly just don't take credit for it because how it came about and how it stuck together and everything else, really the credit. And I don't mean this like cavalierly or silly. I mean, it really goes to God because there's no way that those deals could have gone together or stayed together like they did without his influence. It happened just driving over here today. You know, um, we uh, were in a transaction and, uh, and I had a little strategy, came in devotional time, a little strategy, laid the strategy out there, getting resistance, getting resistance, getting resistance. I said, well, you know, what we're really looking for is this. Let's, let's keep pushing where the resistance is and see what happens. And so I just got the text coming over here today. Hey, we think we really want to do what you want to do. Uh. <laughs> and it's, it, and we don't want to do what you we're, we're pressing on, but we want to do what you want to do. And, you know, it's just like little miracles like that all the time. God's C- moving people. C12 is just like that. I mean, people, people come to C12 because the Holy Spirit is working on them. I, I had a little miracle the other day. And we're out of time. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry. But the miracle the other day, can you tell it in 10 seconds or less? Uh, you just used three seconds. <laughs> All right. For those, if you want to find out more about, <laughs> about that next miracle, year. that's right. <laughs> you got to ch- check out Mike Sipes online, C12Cascades.com, C12Cascades.com. Thank you, Mike Sipes. Appreciate it. Make sure you check us out online, worldchangernetwork.com. That's where you can find out where we are today. You're listening to I Work Friend with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. him.